Welcome to Out Off Topic. What's up, Brad? How are you? Not much, Andrew. I'm uh, I'm a little pensive. It's uh, it's election night in this country, which we're not going to get into politics. But hey, we could say that we're a little pensive because it's well, night before election night. It's first, election right? night eve. Yeah, election night eve. So, you're... well, we actually had another episode that was going to go up before this. We had a great guest on with some technical issues. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to fix it again, like the other one. Um, so hopefully that'll be up. Uh, it just so might take a little while. So S- yeah, sorry, no episode end of last week. We're recording beginning of the following week. Yeah. Anyway, um, we did end up with some project updates because that last episode actually got pushed a few days out because you were having uh, two year car shipped out west. I think you post about this on Instagram. Oh yeah, for um, sure. So the the project update begins with project card down date. No, it's an update. It up, up, the project car update section begins. Okay. With, we're shipping the seventy eight Colt, the blue car, and the flat body Starion, the white eighty four, from Massachusetts to Phoenix via you know a, a transport company on an open truck. So that was all going well. I got some really good quotes. I got a really good deal on shipping two cars. Cost not much more than shipping one car normally, so that was excellent. Um, got everything all set. Everything was ready to go. Get the phone call. What was it last Monday night or Tuesday night? Tuesday night. Get the phone call that the car is going to be shipped on Wednesday and that he wants to meet up in the morning in Massachusetts to load them on the trailer. So obviously I'm in Phoenix, but thankfully Andrew is in Massachusetts. And my father is in Massachusetts. So the plan was for them to drive up the two cars to a meeting point because they can't really load cars. Well, they can load cars, but they can't get the 18-wheeler down my parents' street because it's like a it's a it's a dead end narrow road and he'd have to back back down the street to get out I of I think it. he'd high center on the the hill. Yeah, he might even high center at the top of the hill because it's a pretty big breakover angle. Um, on those low boy, you know, car haulers, but Regardless, they wanted to meet in a big parking lot down the street. So anybody familiar with Salem knows where um, the Target, Market Basket, Shaw's, Route 107, Highland Ave Plaza is, which is a pretty big open area, especially first thing in the morning. So he was going to meet them up there. So the night before, you were you decided that you were going to drive, thankfully you decided, you were going to drive the Blue Colt from your house where it was being stored to my father's house so that you could just do two quick trips in the morning with the two cars. Well, that weekend, I knew it was going to be picked up, and I was like, I should start this car on a Saturday, but I just got busy. I'm still doing, like, little finishing touches on the kitchen, among other stuff. And the very last, I believe we talked about this, the very last podcast that you recorded at my house when you were here visiting, you went out to leave at, like, midnight, and the Colt wouldn't start. Correct. And I had swapped it with a starter motor that you had sitting around off of some other Colt engine. It was questionable. It looked as bad as the starter I pulled out, but it turned over when we hit it with the jump pack before I put it in. So I was like, whatever, throw it in. Yeah, should be fine. No big deal. Only took me like an hour. It wasn't a big deal. Um, I first went to start at that time, and it was like, nope. And then it clicked over. I was like, all right. Maybe it was a little sticky. We'll let it ride. And then I think you said it didn't want to start a couple times. Yeah, a couple times I got in the car because I drove it the next day. Um, and it kind of made a weird noise when it started, but it started. So, yeah, it was whatever. It was a thing. So anyway, so the night before the car is being shipped at it's like been sitting in my yard. Yeah. Since you left. At like what, like three o'clock on that Tuesday? Yeah. Andrew decides he's got to move the car. Well, he goes to start it, and the starter just doesn't do anything. So, yeah, I checked oh. the voltage of the battery just to make sure. Put a block of wood in there, hit it. I was like, maybe we'll get lucky. Clean the battery terminals, make sure they were they were good because the battery had plenty of voltage. Nothing. Yeah, we got we got nowhere fast. So we started scrambling. Um, I knew we had a G fifty four Starion motor lying around, complete with a starter. So we cross-referenced that, and that was not the same part number, so that wouldn't work. Which, by the way, a new reman started from Rock Auto was like $20 for this cold. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the issue isn't you couldn't get one. The issue was trying to get one that day. Yeah. So I searched every parts source, like um, Advanced Auto Parts and O'Reilly's and Pep Boys, and surprise, surprise, none of them carry starters for 1978. I know. I can't believe it. Come on. Well, here's the thing. It's the same starter in the 1.6 and the 2.0. And that 2.0 actually went until 1990 in Mitsubishi Mighty Max pickups. So I thought there was an outside chance that they might have one because those trucks are still, while not common, they're not rare either. They're still around. Mm -hmm. You'll still see them from time to time. But they didn't have one regardless. So um, I was looking online. I could get one Amazon delivered the next day, but it wouldn't be until later in the day. And the truck was coming at what, like 7.30 in the morning? Yeah. So it wasn't going to work. <laughs> um, so we put on like our, our, you know, our brains together. And then I remembered that there were two more Colts at my parents' house. <laughs> so being a garbage man paid off. Um, I was willing to take it out of either car, the 74 yellow four-door that's coming out here eventually, or the 79 coupe that was detailed in an earlier episode when I went to Virginia to pick it up. Um, turns out they're, both, they're all the same starter. So now it's probably 5 o'clock or so. I guess Eastern time, maybe a little later. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it was about five o'clock. It was just starting to get dark. I didn't realize that. Uh, I forgot they were both automatics. Yeah, which wouldn't be a big deal, you wouldn't think, but apparently the shift lever was in the way, right? Yeah, yeah, it was annoyingly in the way. Yeah. Um, it was weird. So like, I didn't even look at the four door car because the. The other car was easier to get to, and as soon as I looked and I could see like a reman sticker on the starter, the starter looked pretty clean. I was like, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um and I remember we had it turning over one time to try to start it, so I was like, uh, oh, pretty sure it works. Yeah, I had that car idling eventually. Um and then like it's really hard to get to the starter bolt. So you can get to one on the bottom pretty easily, especially with I've got a 3.8 Milwaukee Ratchet, the electric one. Right. And for whatever reason on the manual car, the blue car, it only took me like an hour to swap the starter. And on this auto car, like, it took me almost two hours just to get the top bolt out. Like, it was brutal. I don't know why it was so hard. It just... It was probably a combination of a couple of things. A, there was a giant dormant bee's nest right next to it. B, you were annoyed because you were trying to fix my car outside in the cold and the dark. And C, it's probably actually difficult to get to. Luckily, it was still warm. Um, there may or may not be a dent in the, the door of that car. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, it, it dented my hand a little bit, too. So It needs, it needs a door anyway, so I'm not worried about it. Um, yeah, I got the bottom one out, and then I got it on another one that I thought was it and let it out, but it was like a false starter bolt. It was probably, it's probably a bell housing bolt. So there's probably one missing in there. It's a trick bolt. It's, yeah. <laughs> Beware the false starter bolt. Yeah. It's in, it's in my, uh, it's in my tool bag. I, I, be, I it, believe, I believe the, the current vernacular is it was very sus. Yeah. Um, whatever, whatever the name of that game is that I haven't played. Oh, it's, it's very sus. <laughs> I've only played it once. It's a, it's a weird game because like I was like I was legitimately trying to complete the task because it was like fixed wiring. I was like, that's cool, I'm into that. And then somebody's like murdering me. And then they're trying to like vote who murdered me. And I'm like, what? Or like I don't get murdered, and I'm like, I don't know. And I just like vote really fast and like, well, that's suspicious. You voted so fast, and I get fired out of the airlock. <laughs> what is the name of the game again? I don't remember. Uh oh crap! What is the name of the game? Among Us. Okay, yeah, I, I have not played it, but I know that I've seen the uh, the word "sus" be used across the internet lately. He's very it's actually it's pretty fun to play with friends. But anyway, so yeah, um, and by the time finally we got the top bolt out, and like looking at the bolts, they were like the same. I was like, oh cool. So it's weird. And then the blue car fought me too coming out again like it was really hard to get to i don't know why i don't remember how i did it before i did it so easily before like i, I cast <laughs> only, some sort of spell. like a month and a half 
<laughs> yeah, it, I had that swap so fast last time, and I this it took me a little longer, but not as long. It definitely helped not having like the kick down bar in the way or whatever the hell it is. Well, yeah, it's because the carbureted automatic, so it has a mechanical yeah. linkage between the carburetor and the transmission. So not something you're used to on a modern vehicle. So yeah, got it in there. Car started right up. Brought it over. It was I finished around like eh, maybe ten o'clock. Wasn't too bad. Yeah, I know it was fairly late, but unfortunately we had a scheduled podcast that night with a guest. But like they had to get the car done. Like there was no because the truck was coming in the morning, and he I had negotiated the price for two runners. He didn't have a. Um, like a winch on the truck, so there would have been no way to get it up there without it running. So well, it was either that or your Camaro was coming out, right? Which I didn't want yet because I don't have the garage built yet. But regardless, uh, fast forward to today, actually, um, about two thirty Phoenix time, the uh, which is Central time now because things change. You guys don't change. We don't Isn't it just Arizona time. It's Arizona time always. Yeah. So yeah. Like during the summertime, we're three hours behind Massachusetts, but right now we're two hours behind Massachusetts, so we're the same as Central, I think, or not Central, Mountain Time. Yeah, right. Yeah, Mountain Time. So anyway, we are about two thirty Phoenix Standard Time. Um, I got the phone call that the guy was here offloading the vehicles around the corner, so he was uh, he wasn't quite as far away as the parking lot down the street, but he didn't come down my my street. He stayed on the main like cross street. So the way the streets work in Phoenix, it's a grid system. So you have streets that run. It's normal. It's the yeah. normal way you set it up. Streets that run one way are numbered. The streets that run the other way are named. So I'm on a named street, and he was on, you know, 29th, which is the street that runs parallel, uh, perpendicular, excuse me, to my street. So he was unloading the cars there. So I was able to go down and pick them up, pay him, uh, and uh, car started right up. In fact, the guy made a comment to me that when he went to pick them up, he was nervous because he saw how old they were, even though he already knew. And he saw how sus they were. Yeah. Um, because, well, it was raining and like there was like a curled up car cover in the back of the Colt. The Colt's generally a decent looking car. It doesn't, it's not embarrassingly ugly. Uh, but then the Starion was next to it, which is pretty, pretty, pretty ratty. Oh, he was like, what's with all the stuff inside? And your dad was like, well, that's the inside of the car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because they won't ship a car if you fill it full of stuff. But I was like, no, it's all the interior parts, so it's fine. I, that had already been discussed, but that's okay. Um, he's like, yeah, I was nervous because it's not easy loading old cars. He's like, no traction control, no ABS. The metal on the truck is all like bare, unpainted metal bars to drive on. He said, and, you know, it probably, I don't know if it used to be this difficult back in the day, but it's really difficult to drive old cars in these trucks when they're wet. And it was raining the day he picked the cars up because, well, Massachusetts, it's it's always raining. So he said... It actually hadn't for a long time. Just like that day it started yeah. raining. He said he appreciated the steering was on snow tires because they had really good traction going up his ramps. <laughs> um, and he said that he was very nervous about them, but he is absolutely shocked at how well they both run. He's like... Both these cars don't look like they should just start on the first try every time. And I never had a problem starting them because he had to move them, I guess, once while he was out and about, too. Um, he's like, yeah, they're great. I don't have any issue with this. He's like, I was so nervous about it, but it made it easy. <laughs> so I told the the short version of the starter story, and he laughed a little bit. And he's like, well, yeah, I would not have taken it. <laughs> so it uh, it worked out well. So I guess the, the Colt got a few comments uh, from other truck drivers along the way. So... I don't think the Starion did, or if he did, they weren't good enough for him to tell me. So, <laughs> but people people enjoyed the Colt. So the cars are here. Um, the Colt has never been as dirty as it is because he drove through weather on the way here, and the car is just brown. Like it's it's absolutely disgusting. Um, and it was under the Starion on the truck, so it's also covered in oil from the Starion leaking out of the front. So there you go. It's. Uh, I was actually happy to see it was on top of my own car. Because I didn't want it to leak on somebody else's car, so. But yeah, the cars are here. It's they're both brown and black and stained, and I actually got to probably clean them when we're done recording tonight because uh, I would like to have them not that dirty, or at least the Colt. Um, and the Colt does start very well, but it doesn't 
run very well long term. It needs tune up. So I actually prepared ahead of time and I have new cap rotor plugs, um, oil and oil filter, and I'm going to do a valve adjustment on that car. And hopefully that combination of things could just be a, a good tune up for it. Cause I did tune up when I first got the car, but that was what, six years ago now, Andrew, five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that for a while. Yeah. It was a while ago. So I probably put five or 10,000 miles on it and God knows how many starting and stoppings and elevation change and all kinds of things that have happened to the car while I've had it. So it'll be good to uh, do a tune up on it just so I can enjoy it as is for a while while I gather parts to build that to a hot rod that I've always wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So, but it's here. That it is. Project car updates number two. Yep. Um, well, this is kind of a life update. I cleaned and decorated and organized the garage. Ooh. Yeah. So since we moved in here, obviously we moved in here like six months ago, the garage has kind of been a staging area. Um, I've had the cars in there, but it's always been kind of a just a, a storage place for things while we're getting set up in the house. Um, so we're at the point where this weekend I was able to actually clean and organize the garage, um, hang a bunch of you know automotive ephemera, had some cool old posters that I'd always wanted to hang and hadn't had a chance yet. So they kind of finally have a home on the wall of my garage here. Um, Naomi's son, Jordan, hooked me up with a toolbox um, that he actually took the bottom jar and hand-painted auto off-topic across. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, that's cool. It fits perfectly in like the little like storage room in the back of the garage. Like It slid right in like millimeters on either side. <laughs> Um, with the handles on. I could take the handles off if I had to, but it's just, it, it fit in there pretty much perfectly. Um, and Naomi being the uh, contractor's daughter that she is, went to town and built some shelves in that room over it. Um, and then we put up some fluorescent lighting in that room and uh, some LED lighting on the bottom of the shelves. So we turned the lights on, it's nice and bright back there. So it's very like inviting and, and nice and Organized tools in the toolbox. Got everything all going. Um, so it's pretty nice in there now. It's a nice little working area. So I can store cars in it. I'm not working. And I can pull a car out. And I can easily work on a car um, in the garage now. So that's a huge bonus to have. Um, I mean, you don't really need to work inside here in Phoenix. Because it's always sunny outside. But it's nice to have that project space where if you take a car apart in a million pieces, it's not actually sitting in the driveway. It could just be in the garage until you're done with it. So um, it timed out well because I obviously broke. I think I talked about breaking the Eclipse yet. I must have. Yes. So the um, service cylinder on the Eclipse let go. Uh, Andrew guessed it right on the first guess that it was the service cylinder, not the master cylinder. Uh, when I pulled it, when I touched it when it was under the car, it like leaked hydraulic fluid or brake fluid all out of it and all down my arm. So we knew the internals of the cylinder had let go. Um, ordered it, got the car all jacked up, changed it over. It's it's probably one of the easiest things you can replace in that car. I mean, aside from like an air filter and an oil filter, it's two bolts and one hard line going into it and a bleeder valve. So there's not much skill involved in doing it once the car is jacked up and easily easily accessible. So got that swapped over, um, had a little help from Naomi bleeding it, and then uh, put it in the ground and actually changed the oil as well because it, it was different oil change. Uh, put it on the ground and lo and behold, it works now. So it was definitely the service cylinder that let go. So nice and easy repair. It's always good to have an easy repair. You know, it's one of those things that's kind of like a, it's almost like a confidence booster when you fix something on the first try and it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good. It worked. Took it for a quick ride. Went out to the local taco spot and picked up some uh, some tacos for dinner after finishing it. And it was a good little, little victory lap. Um, how do you get rid of used oil, Andrew? Uh, we bottled it up in the... Because you buy it in the five liter jugs, right? Five quart jugs. Yep. Drain it back into those, and 
we've we've got a bunch of people we know that have shops that burn it for heat. Mm-hmm. Or you can bring it to any auto parts store. They have to take it because they sell it. Or a Walmart. So here's the thing. For my yeah. entire life, I've always taken the drain pan and poured it back into an empty container to return the oil. Mm-hmm. That's how I was taught to do it when I did my first oil change when I was like 14 or 15 years old. Yeah, Always a disaster because you always spill it or make a mess or have to handle it. And it's just, it's just gross used motor oil. Um, so I was looking for an empty container here to do that. And Naomi was like, what are you doing? I was like, I need something to put the oil in. She's like, why don't you just bring it to the store? I was like, cause I have to put it in something. And she's like, no, you just bring the drain pan to the store. And I was like, no, you don't. They just take the bottle and they send it to whatever recycling place they send it to. And she's like, no, you just dump it in the tank at the store. <laughs> And I was like, mm, this doesn't sound how you, right. How do you bring an open drain pan? Well, no, I have the one that has like the cap on it and like the black one that has a little red cap on top and you open the cap up, you fill it inside. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Sort of work. No, it works great. Why wouldn't it work? It's so simple. It leak, it's, don't they? No, it doesn't leak. It's one solid piece of plastic. There's no way for it to leak. All the holes are on the top. I mean, I guess if I tipped it upside down, it's not like hermetically sealed that it would probably leak. But my entire life, I've always transferred out of these pans back into dumb like windshield washer bottles and made a disastrous mess every time and never thought I could just bring it back to the store in the drain pan and just have them dump it in their thing in the back. Like I always made this huge production out of it and then I'd wind up sitting on like 30 quarts of oil at the end of the year in bottles in the garage waiting for the hazardous waste day. Oh, no, see, because we have the lift, we have a one that goes under the lift. So then, yeah, you have to transfer it because you can't bring that giant thing. Yeah, you can. 100% you can. Uh, it's a pain in the ass because it's... It's, it's less a, It's less it's of a pain in the ass than it is draining it out of that into smaller containers. I will never... No, again I got, I got pretty good at it. it. It's bringing a 30-quart container. It weighs like... 30, 40 pounds full of oil. Do it when it's half. It's, you're gonna be like you're gonna be like Kevin with the chili trying to get it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I will never again transfer to smaller bottles. It doesn't make any sense. I don't have to have extra oil lying around. I don't need to have extra bottles lying around. I if you do it every time you change the oil, it's fine. But we have a bigger thing to just hold on to it. That's why we do it that way. But why? Is that why well, you're making so much more work for yourself? You're handling it twice now. Just take do two yeah, or three it, oil it, changes it, and then dump it out. Yeah, I just dump it into the five liter things. I literally don't make a mess doing it. Like I know how to do it. Well, I don't. Apparently, I'm an idiot because I can't handle this. And my entire life, I've been doing it. I've never gotten good at it. But I was always under the impression that you couldn't just like bring the container to the parts store because they needed to keep the oil and like send it away somewhere. I didn't know they just had a giant tank. They dumped it in out back. I don't know why. It's just like a repair shop. That's fine. And I get how it works at a repair shop, but I just never in my mind, because when you're taught something is one way, that's how you always just do it. Why would I assume there was a better way? And then there's like clean harbors comes and they pump it out. Yeah, that's exactly. Those guys spill it everywhere. But that's fine. They can spill all they want. I didn't spill it in my driveway this way. Like I did an oil change. And I got a little bit of oil on my hand when I took the plug out. But other than that, there was no touching of oil. It was so much more pleasant than it's ever been. And maybe this is not like a giant, like mind-blowing experience for everybody else. But for literally something I've done my entire life and like after doing oil change, I'm always just like, now I have this oil. And it's always been a burden to me where I can just put this thing in the back of my car. It's all closed up. It's not going to spill walk right in with it. They maybe sign my name on the wall on this little piece of paper to, you know, bring the government into it, obviously, because that's just what you got to do. Um, I mean, realistically, you have no oceans, so you just dump it down the storm drain. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It, doesn't, it, definitely, it definitely won't make it into any natural water source anywhere or ruin everything along the way. Came from the ground. Yeah, well... I think somebody recently shared that popular mechanics post from like yeah. like a magazine article from like 1953. We just dig a hole and cover it in dirt. But come back from where you once came. That's how you make new dinosaurs. You pour oil into there into the ground. But anyway, it's again, it's, it's probably not a giant mind blowing experience for 
99.9% of our listeners right now. And they're probably like, Brad, you're an idiot. Why would you ever, why would you not know how to do this? But the only time I ever had no issue doing it was when I, like, I worked at a mechanic shop. Or I worked at a dealership where I had access to an oil drain and I could do it there. But most of my life, I haven't worked at a dealership. I either worked at an insurance company or a body shop and I haven't been able to do this. So I'm, uh, I'm forever grateful that I learned this. I'm forever grateful that Naomi knew the correct way to do it because somebody didn't teach her the wrong way the first time. And I apologize to my father because I'm not trying to throw him under the bus saying he taught me the wrong way. Maybe this is just how he knew how to do it too. Maybe it will blow his mind when he hears the story. Or maybe he'll call me and go, what are you talking about? Of course you can bring it back to the store. I don't know. But all I know is that I did not, had no idea it was that simple. So anyway, cars are here. Cars that are already here run. Cars that came on the truck today both run. Um, they both need a deep cleaning. That'll be next. Tune up on both cars. Find out why the fuel is leaking out of the steering on while it's here. Um, see if it's a filler neck by the top of the tank. I'll probably drop the tank later this week. Um, put the Colt as first priority just to get it, you know, tuned up, ready to go so I can enjoy it. Because this entire end of the week and this weekend is supposed to be a high of like 68 here. Um, so that's nice and cool and nice. Same here. Like nice cruising, nice cruising weather for the car. So. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, so is that all the project updates you've got? Uh, I mean, that's, like that's, that's a pretty good list for the past week. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of stuff gone down. Um, the Toyota truck is uh, still here. Still um, waiting on a few things. Oh, I did. I, guess, like, I, I have a neat story, not really a project car update. Um, everybody complains about Facebook Marketplace. Well... Yes and no, right? Well, I got to tell you, I've had the best luck selling things on Facebook Marketplace compared to Craigslist. Oh, yeah. Historically. Yeah, I have I sold things way faster on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. So, like, I sold the, the, the Raider we talked about. I sold it in, like, three hours from posting it. So, yeah. I had that, that trailer that I moved everything across country with. Yep. Um. I paid $750 for that trailer. I paid 100 for the spare tire and wheel and 50 for the mount. So I was into it for a 750 plus 150, so 900 bucks. So we used it. I used it once here actually to move the toolbox as discussed earlier from Jordan's house, Arizona Jordan's house to my house. And that was it. Um, and I said, all right, I'm done with this thing. I don't need it anymore. We paid 750 for it. The reason we did that was it was almost 700 to rent a U-Haul open trailer for cross country. So it just made more sense just to buy one and then resell it later. Um, I said, all right, I'm going to list this on, on Facebook Marketplace. I'm going to put it as $750, including spare tire, so that my total out of cost expense is $150 or 200 if somebody negotiates me to 700 I was willing to take. You know what I mean? So I put yep. it on there Sunday about noontime. It was gone by three o'clock. Wow. Dude shows up at my house. He says, this is the trailer. I'm like, yep, this is it. I showed it all to him. I was like, it has two trips on it. One of which was 3,200 miles, but it's legitimately only two trips on the trailer. He goes, cool. He goes, I've been looking for one. You only want in stock locally because it's a tractor supply trailer. He goes, it's a four hour round trip. I don't want to go get it. He goes, here's $780 for your time. So in the most bizarre negotiating tactic I've ever heard, he just gave me an extra $30. Yeah, I mean, he probably got all his money out of the ATM. It's in 20s. Okay, so why didn't he give me $760? <laughs> like the, he liked you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but it was it was neat. And I, I'm certainly, hey, why not, right? Cause that paid for pretty much half the car transport. So like it was a no brainer. So I made the 780 bucks back the trailer to use from Massachusetts to Arizona costs out of pocket, $130, sorry, $120. So, and I used it twice and it costs 60 bucks to rent a U-Haul trailer each time. So I basically, Cost of a local U-Haul rental 
and got a cross country trip out of it, which would have been a yeah. $700 rental fee on a trailer. So it worked out very well. Oh, it's um, totally worth it. I highly recommend it. Also, I didn't technically ever register it, so I never paid sales tax on it either because we bought it in New Hampshire. Um, it's not that it matters because even in Mass, I wouldn't have paid sales tax because I didn't register it. And I never registered here, so I never paid sales tax here. So I literally just broke oh, even plus scammer. 30. Hey, it, I, I tried really hard to register it. I didn't try to do it the wrong way. But because of coronavirus, the registries in Mass are so backed up that to get new plates, because Mass doesn't run temp tags, it's a two-week waiting period to get new plates on something. Regardless of what it is, if you don't go from a dealer. If you buy from a dealer Which, that's part of the RMV system, they yeah. can give you your plates right away. You know, it's... Say what you will, but that's total, like... That's malarkey. Okay, so... Hmm. Even if you take the people out of the equation, like the public out of the equation of waiting at the registry, it should not take them any more time to issue plates. No, give it like three days to mail it. Yeah. Two weeks, that is ridiculous. Right. So I didn't have two weeks to register it. So then I did a test run. I used, my father had a trailer in his yard that was unregistered. Um, And I said, all right, well, let me see if I can order a template through this through Arizona to make it like a legitimate plate to use it. And I used his trailer and the system was like, cool, here's your template, have a nice day. I was like, perfect, this will work. So we went, we bought the trailer, came back, put the VIN number in the template and the Arizona system was like, this VIN does not exist. Because the trailer had never been titled. I didn't put that in my brain. So right. we, we, we tried our hardest to do it the right way and damn government forced us not to. So whatever trailer plates are kind of a funny thing anyway they're all kind of a similar description black utility trailer it's fine i had a legal plate and everything was good so anyway thanks i know who you borrowed it from and you uh sent them some arizona wine right i I paid them handsomely with some expensive arizona wine shipped to their house yeah so which is also i thought was illegal but apparently, no. it's not illegal to ship alcohol to Massachusetts. No. If you're, I think it's like, there's probably like a limit. If you're doing like a lot. Well, I don't think you can ship it through the U.S. Postal Service. You have to ship it through FedEx or UPS or um, THL or one of those other services. I don't sure. think you can ship alcohol through the USPS. But regardless, I was stoked to find out that it was legal. So <laughs> didn't want to complete my questionable legal activities with another illegal activity if I didn't have to, you know what I mean? You're right. So, just a downright criminal out here. But anyway, so the trailer's gone. That did two things. A, it paid for half of the car transport, almost, uh, and it freed up a spot the size of the Colt, because yeah, the trailer wasn't small, so now the Colt and the Starion live next to the house until the garage gets built, and you actually cannot see them unless you go outside looking for them. So, they are well hidden, which is good. Because I'm trying to be neighborly and not have a yard full of cars. So, anyway, moving on. I what have no project car updates. Nothing. No, none. Zero. Nope. We have some scale project car updates, though. It's been a bit. I don't think we can call them project cars because they're pre built cars. Well, but that's the segment, and that's the name we're sticking with it. We're about to get a little nerdy here on scale stuff. Sorry, guys, but hey. Enough people like it, and even if they didn't, I don't care. I enjoy talking about it. Um, I picked up a couple of new brand spanking new 164th scale cars. I picked up some for Andrew as well because they're right up his alley. Um, I was kind of on the fence myself about buying them, but then when I got his in my hand and looked really closely, it was like, yep, I guess I need these too. So there's a new 164th scale, like high-end, super detailed manufacturer. Um, they go by pop race, like POP and then race, like race car. Um, I'm not sure much about the history of them. There is some crossover with tarmac works. I don't know if they use tarmac works factory or if they use their engineers and designers, or I'm not sure. Cause I know tarmac works, the company that we've discussed in the past was actually pushing these vehicles during their prototype stage. Um, but now that they're out, they're pretty, they're pretty slick. Um, 
They're a true 164 scale Volvo 850 T5R station wagons. So that would be what year would that be, Andrew? 97? Uh, 95 to 97. 95 to 97. So they have it in the the classic um, advertising campaign yellow, that pale yellow color. Yeah, so I think it's supposed to be a 95. Okay. Um, And they have the BTCC TWR race car, the baby blue, white, dark blue combination. It's the same livery that Hot Wheels did on their 850R, but... You know, Hot Wheels cars are Hot Wheels cars. They they give up a lot in the name of being a dollar. And these are the same cost of, you know, 25 Hot Wheels cars. But the detail is significantly better. And they look like a very small version of the same thing. Um, I will put some pictures up on the Auto Topic page of these because I think they are totally worth it. And anybody who's a Volvo fan that's got a couple of bucks in their pocket should... Uh, Think about picking them up because they do look good in the shelf and they are perfectly scaled. Um, they're surprisingly hefty. They're not like resin or anything. They are die cast. Um, oh, they are. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, they're they're really high quality and I'm super excited about them. They go outside my normal collecting sphere of mostly Mitsubishi stuff, but um, they're super cool. Which led me to their website, which is poprace.jp, um, and see what else that they they have uh, and up. Our kind of stuff that we would be into. Um, they have some more modern race cars that are neat, you know, Audi R8 Le Mans cars and stuff like that. But they also just released an ST185 Celica GT4 in both street trim and in um, Juhar, Juhar, Juhar Kankuin. Is that how you say that WRC driver's name? Cancun? Um, no. I don't think that's how you pronounce it. But I Kakinen? Kakinen? Yeah. It's Kakinen. Like, it's like Kakinen. It's like Hula. Yeah. Hula Kakinen. Hula really yeah. Kakinen. Um, his SD18593 Safari winning Celica. That's the Castrol sponsored car. So yeah. it looks like I'll have to pick up another pop race car pretty soon because, I mean, it's it's a safari rally silica it's like there's not much cooler out there so they only have four or five vehicles so far they have those two um the audi r8 lms lamacar the uh, the new suzuki jimny um and uh honda integra so the japanese market of the acura integra the dc the dc5 the type r one yes the 99 yeah dc5 so like I said, I think there's some crossover with the Tarmac Works brand because it's a very similar company. Um, but they're they're really cool. Um, if you do want to get them, our friend on Instagram, the Toy Pimp is his name, the underscore toy underscore pimp, um, has them in stock. Um, and he has the most reasonable prices you can get them for. So tell him we sent you, and I'm sure he'll take care of you. So he's my, my personal dealer of all things diecast. Mm-hmm. Not necessary to actually own, but I want anyway. So, as he says, so, we all we all help put his kid through college. Yeah. <laughs> uh, way back in January, I get email updates from uh, Hobbylink. Nope. Nope. Hobbylink. Nineteen Yeah. Which is hobby something hobby, right? It's 1999. That's the name of the company. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I get new releases for like model kits and diecasts. And uh, what was the company? It's a Galapier 4. It's Mark Mark, Mark 43 is the name of the company. So they came out with a couple of castings. Not castings. I think think they're resin. So there's like a white one. It's still a casting. It's a resin casting. Yeah. So there's white. I think they did white, black, silver. Or it was at least just white and black. Uh, I've seen white and black. Yeah. So they and it had obviously because it's they were more popular outside the United States, so they all have the JDM bumpers, so the thin bumpers. Yep. And they had two versions that had stock wheels, and a version that had like rally art five spokes, which are reminiscent of my five spokes because that was the point. So 
I, I, I should have ordered one of the ones with regular wheels too, but I only ordered pre-ordered one of the ones with uh, the five spokes and yep. in white. And then because of all this COVID stuff, it finally, it showed up like two days ago. Like it was, it's been on pre-order this entire time. And yep. then I paid for it because they said it was available already. Um, and then it ships DHL and it shows up in like two days, which is crazy from Japan. Yeah, it's pretty fast. DHL is real fast for Japan. Because it wasn't like anything like crazy special shipping. Um, but it's a super nice 143rd scale. Uh, I don't mind paying for one every now and then of a car I really like. Because uh, that that scale's like we've talked about before. That scale's really nice to put on your shelf. It doesn't take up much space. And the detail they're getting out of them right now is excellent. Yeah, it's phenomenal. They're really nice cars. Um, I have a couple of the higher end 143rds from Japan. Actually, it's 1999.co.jp, but the name of the company is Hobby Search. Hobby Search. That's yeah, what I was trying to think of. There was a company. Yeah, I, I blew that. So, but they, it was they, a very they, good uh, URL snipe back in the day. What, one 1999. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure what it came from or what it means or if that was the year that they started the company, but. They certainly, uh, whatever it works. So their website is weird. When you first log onto it, it looks like it's like anime girls and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. You got to drill down into the scale models or, but uh, if you turn it to English, yeah, yeah, if you turn it to English, they have a a button for uh, scale models and diecast. So it's definitely a good source for the other thing I like about it is that they leave stuff up there, even if it's not available. So, you know, it existed at some point. And they have an option where if you click on it, you don't have to pay for it. But if they ever get it back in stock, they'll email you and say, hey, this thing you were interested in, we have again. Mm-hmm. So I've actually gotten stuff that way. They, um, speaking of Galats, the, I think it's an Aoshima kit, the Galat rally car. Those are all Hasegawas. Has- Hasegawa, excuse me. Yep. So the Galat rally car, the Hasegawa, um, I missed mm-hmm. on the first time around and it was, you know, out of stock. No, no stock expected anytime. And I just clicked on it, email me when it comes in. And then like three years later, I got an email from them saying, hey, we had this Galat in stock and I ordered it and had it again in like two or three days. Yeah, because the re-releases are nice because even though you can buy the kids vintage, the, the decals are kind of trash sometimes. So Yep, almost all the time. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's it for project car updates. Actually, along with these Volvo 850s, I also picked up a... Um, uh, Atomica Limited Vintage of a mid '90s Nissan Pathfinder, which is the Weird. the Nissan Terrano in Japan. Yeah, um, it was just really neat, and uh, it was a decent deal. And I traded him some stuff, so I just picked it up, added to my collection of stuff. So, Atomica Limited Vintage is like the original of the highly detailed 164 scale cars. So. I think that they're still pretty much the best as far as consistency goes. Um, but they're, they're really neat stuff. So he also stocks those as well. So anything high end 164 scale, you can get it from him. So earlier you were telling me you watched six underground and I did. car chase in the beginning. Yeah. Um, speaking of those Alfa Romeos, I've noticed particularly one around here. I feel like I've noticed on some other ones. So they've got an aluminum bumper beam. Okay, most, most cars do. Yeah, but it shows through the grill. That giant alpha grill. I can just see the aluminum bumper beam now in that, it. That means something's missing. There okay. should be something in front of that. So the way cars are designed, you have your plastic outer bumper cover. Right. Then you have a styrofoam core. Right. And then you have your bumper beam. Right. Usually the styrofoam core is black. So yeah. you can see the aluminum bumper beam. It means the styrofoam core is not there. So the styrofoam yeah. core is essentially your five mile an hour bumper. It's your absorber. It's like that's that's like styrofoam core. It's actually called a bumper absorber. So kind of mm-hmm. like in the seventies through the eighties, cars had those giant shock absorbers for absorbers. They've gone down to this like thick cell, like high density styrofoam, um, and generally, if it's exposed. It's black. A lot of cars, you can't see it. It's just white because I don't know if there's a reason for it being white. Is it cheaper? Maybe. I don't know. Probably but, cheaper to make. Yeah. You don't have to dye it. 
Right. So I know that most cars that have exposed, that you can see the bumper through the grill, there should be a styrofoam core um, in between the two things. You should not be able to see the actual bumper beam, um, especially the aluminum ones that are painfully obvious. Yeah, I don't have my... It sticks out, especially in that car with a giant alpha grill. Yeah, I don't have my work computer booted up right now, or I'd look at our estimating software and see if there is a core that goes right there, but I'm pretty sure there is because I feel like we would notice that a long time ago if it was standard. Yeah. Yeah, it must it must just be missing the piece. So, I don't know. That just popped in my head when you were talking about that. Yeah. No, it's, it's terrible. It's awful. It means somebody didn't put the car back together, right? Yeah. I did see that you went to four till four again. I did. Um, it was kind of an off an off event. I went with a friend of the show, Chris Cavalieri, um, Angry Bird GTI on Instagram. He uh, met me down there with his daughter. He's got a one year old daughter, and uh, we kind of stood around, talked for a bit. Didn't really walk around much because there wasn't much there. Um, it was a little overcast that morning. I don't know if that had something to do with it. The theme of the event that week, because they do like a four, a four different, um, like a schedule of four different events each month. And the last weekend of the month, the fourth weekend is usually adventure mobiles. So there were some neat early G wagons, um, a couple early like Land Cruisers, a big old. Sh- early 80s Chevy Suburban all jacked up on off-road tires and winches and and that kind of stuff. But it was kind of like, it was a little disappointing because it was very similar to like at a normal Cars and Coffee where like this one crew shows up with like all the same vehicle. And there were like five Tacomas that kind of parked front and center. Uh. And it was like, oh, yay, brand new Tacomas with... um. What's that brand of wheels that they all run? Method with method wheels and half racks and tents on top. Like that's it's not really in the in the spirit of the event. I don't think um, there was a cool early long wheelbase Range Rover, Land Rover, um, and there was a couple of FJs, and then there was also a small group of lifted Subaru guys, which is not my not my favorite thing to see all the time either, but at least they were different than five identically prepped to go. Hey, you felt like you were back in New England. Yeah, I really did. Actually, it was not, it's not the normal scene here. It was, it was different. It was different to, it was, it was a little bit underwhelming. Um, I did take one picture. I never really posted it. It was of the FJ that was parked directly in front of four till four. So, but it's, it's always neat to go down there. The coffee's good. Um, they have burritos they sell there that I'm told are good, but unfortunately I can't eat, so I couldn't tell you for sure. But it's it's a neat little take on a Saturday morning. It's a good little. It's over before ten o'clock, so it's not like you take your whole day. And unlike last time I went, where the Eclipse didn't quite make it home without breaking. This time I made it down there and back. And yeah, there you go. That was that's always a positive, right? So it uh, it went it went well. It was a, a good little time. There's a couple of motorcycles that go for Adventure Day, so that's kind of neat. Adventure Mobile Day. It's a, there's a Ducati Scrambler um, and a 70s Honda like CL125 that was dual sported out. So that was kind of neat. It, it's definitely cool. Um, I'll definitely, when I have another adventure mobile, like another Montero, I'll certainly be joining them for their adventure mobile days. Um, and I'm actually excited. This weekend is on Sunday at 4 till 4, so not the normal cars and coffee day. The local Phoenix air-cooled club is having, they moved their event there. So before COVID, they had uh, at Phoenix Public Market, they had every first Sunday, they had Arizona air-cooled. Um, and we never made it down because it was one of those things that there was always something else going on, it seemed, that weekend. Um, and then unfortunately, during the COVID issues, um, Phoenix Public Market didn't make it and they closed down. <laughs> so Arizona air-cooled was looking for a new place to do their thing. Um, so they got to do it at four till four this coming Sunday. So I'll probably go check that out. So it's really neat to see how they have Volkswagens. Yeah, you got spotted by some guy, didn't you? Yeah, I got up somebody took a picture of my car and posted it on Instagram at four till four. Um 
course, you got to bring that up now. I don't know the name of his Instagram. I, I, yeah, I can't remember his name, but he had a pretty wild, like, what was it, Toyota? He's got a Celica. Yeah. Uh, an 84. Not Celica? Yeah. Yeah, 84 or so. Um, yeah, and there. It's famous something, I think, right? Yeah, I'm trying really, like that. trying really fast, but it's not it's not coming up. That's all right. Oi, well, boy, listen to me. You bring the guy's name up, man. Now we got to try to find a. We got to give him a source here. But nope. Something famous. Yeah, it's been too long now, and now it's. It's gone into the ether. It's gone into the the Instagram ether. It's not going to come straight up now. Unfortunately. Shoot. Yeah, you used to be able to look up the things that you've liked, but uh, I think that's buried. Anyways, anything else? Uh, no, sir. I think we've covered pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're in Massachusetts, uh, and uh, question one, vote yes. We're we're behind it for yes, and uh, everything else, deal with choice. Yeah, so, uh, no politics and less car related. That's kind of where we're at. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure uh, pretty much everyone has voted at this point. So regardless of that, you can find us Auto Off Topic on Facebook, Auto Off Topic on Twitter, Auto Off Topic on Instagram, me, Race and Anger on Instagram. Uh, Brad, where you can find you? TSISS350 on Instagram. All right. And you forgot to give the Twitter name. I did. I did give it. I wasn't listening, apparently. No, you weren't. So as always, keep your cars analog and aim for the roses.